Welcome to the cave. Hey everyone, uh, it's good to have you back with us. So today's topic is marriage. Should we get married? I know it's probably too late after three kids. <laughs> it probably is. It probably is. And uh, uh, you're right. These are questions that you should ask yourself early on. I mean, at the end of the day, just like death, marriage Hmm. is an inevitable thing that will happen. Yeah, these two things are really close. Well, um, they can be. They can be. I mean, we've seen people get murdered by <laughs> by their spouse. It's it's possible. I mean, it, it has happened. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, I hope you're not talking about your life story, Sayyid. Uh, no, but... I feel super depressed at this point, even though you would think that marriage is an exciting topic. But um, as an inevitability, I think we should talk about it. But we shouldn't talk about whether or not we should get married, because that's a given. Everyone in every culture, every society, they get married somehow, right? The question really is, when should you get married? So, in the United States, 32 states have age ranging from 14 to 17. But there are also... Wait, 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 wait. 14 to 17, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I bet most people don't know that. In 32 states out of 50, uh, people can conceptually and theoretically get married at the age of 14. Yeah, it's a, it's a little-known fact. But then there are 18 states that have no legal minimum age at all. But, you know, with some caveats, like, you know, you have to get your parental consent and something like that. Or but, I think sometimes the courts also have to um, uh, give the go-ahead before the marriage uh, is legalized. But again, theoretically, children there can marry at any age. And then in Europe, there's quite the disparity as well. Andorra, for example, sets the age at 14, while most prohibit marriage before 18. By the way, I've been to Andorra. Just an interesting little tidbit I thought I'd share with the entire world. I don't think our audience would be too interested about that fact. Oh, no, no, I, I would be interested because, again, they set the minimum age at 14, and this is a European country, and it's a member of the EU, let's not forget. And I've been to it, nothing special, just a tiny little nation state. So what I think is interesting here is that even though in countries like you know Belgium and the Netherlands, the legal... Um, age for marriage is 18, children there can choose to be legally euthanized after the age of seven. So they could choose to die, but they can't choose to get married. Absolutely horrible. Absolutely horrible. I can't think of too many things that are more grotesque than allowing children to be put to death by a team of doctors. Okay. So, So, yeah. In another state, um, 
the Vatican. Only five years ago, the age of consent was 12. That's right. So a, a Vatican national could theoretically get married at 12 without parental or even judicial approval at the heart of the Christian world. Spectacular. I mean, again, let's not, let's not forget that the Vatican is a member of the EU as well. So that's another European nation that mm. up until a few years ago, um, people could, be, could get married at 12. Makes sense. Potentially. African nations, um, they generally have a lower minimum age. That's, it's probably due to earlier puberty rates, as well as cultural factors that favor early marriage, you know, to create safety and financial stability. But some uh, African nations have a minimum age of 21. However, it's interesting to note that many of these are former French colonies. Mm. China, however, has the highest minimum marriageable age at 22 years for men and 20 for women. Wow. Worldwide, that's the highest uh, marriageable age? Yep. Hmm. Okay, so... um there doesn't seem to be an irrational justification for either the age limit or the disparity between the genders here, right? I mean, 22 for men, 20 for women. What is the scientific basis for that? It makes absolutely no sense, especially when you consider that women actually mature um, earlier than men. Um, so it would be interesting, I think, to see, given their aging population in China, um, whether that might change to encourage early marriage, right? Um, the only logical conclusion I could draw from all of these uh, facts and figures and statistics that you cited is that legal limits on minimum marriageable age are almost completely arbitrary, and they lack any rational or scientific underpinnings. Why can a boy in Andorra marry at 14, but in Bangladesh wouldn't be able to do so until seven years later. Hmm. How can a 16-year-old girl get legally married in Hong Kong while in mainland China doing so would be considered illegal and may constitute rape for the husband? I mean, do girls in Hong Kong mature six years before their ethnically identical sisters 35 miles away in China? Come Absolutely on. Absolutely not. Now, let's go back to the U.S. Um, is there a biological difference between a girl in Mississippi and another girl from North Carolina? If not, why can the latter marry at age 14 while the former has to wait another seven years to make that choice at 21? These laws have a real impact on people's lives. And I think this is what a lot of people, uh, I mean, everyone assumes that, oh, yeah, the marriageable age is 18 across the U.S., but it's not, right? And the fact that it's not, means that there is a real impact on people's lives and affect many aspects from socioeconomics to mental and emotional health. Yet it's obvious from the wide disparity between countries and even individual regions or states within a nation that these laws lack any solid rational or scientific backing. That's true. However, to be objective and fair, um, the other side also has some fair points to make. I mean, the fact that getting married at a younger age raises the chances of getting divorced. I mean, that's pretty valid, right? Um, well, it, it, it does if you consider the fact that getting married earlier means that you'll be married for a lengthier period of time. And so um, 
Yeah, uh, it, it means that the, the, the chances or the likelihood of you getting divorced at some point in your life, if you got married earlier, is higher. But that doesn't make marriage at a young age um, doomed to fail because you married earlier. <clears throat> in fact, I would argue the opposite. Um, another point that I think is important to note here, speaking of the uh, the arbitrary nature of marriageable age laws and how they don't really rely on any scientific um, underpinnings is that, interestingly for, for most of our listeners, um, for some Islamic jurists, like Grand Ayatollah Mudarrisi, minimum marriageable age is set at puberty, which sets the bar at the individual's physical maturity rather than an arbitrary age, which is dependent on where you live or where you were born. And again, those laws that we discussed earlier, right? So a prerequisite for marriage, in his view, and the view of some other Islamic jurists, is physical maturity, right? And that's a much more sort of objective limit. I agree. But, you know, I, I think it goes without saying that, it, that what we're saying doesn't mean that you should violate common laws. But those laws can be used as a guide to set the minimum age. And it, it, it encourages the youth to marry as early as legally permissible. Exactly. I, I, I echo that sentiment. We're not saying we should be breaking laws. We should get children married. What we are saying is, hey, there are countries and there are states within the United States that do allow children to get married. If the minimum marriageable age in your country or in your state Let's say, for example, is 18, well, that's a great start. What we're trying to advocate here, or at least what I'm trying to advocate, is that you should use that as a, as a guide, right? If Try anything, and get married as early as possible. Yeah, and if anything, you could use that as encouragement in the same way that you would apply for your driver's permit as soon as you reach the legal age. Exactly. Nobody says, you know what? I haven't really matured yet. Let's wait it out a couple of years. Let's see what happens. Everyone wants to get that driver's license as soon as they're legally able to do so. They run off to the, the DMV. DMV and, uh, and uh, they get their driver's license as soon as possible. Anyway, I want to cite something here that I found to be very, very interesting in the discussion of early marriage. Um, University of Texas sociologist Mark Regnerus uh, wrote an article which was rather controversial at the time, and he wrote a book after that, and then he followed that up with another couple of books, I think. And in his talks and writings, he talks about the failure of abstinence education. He says, in a nutshell, the relentless emphasis on abstinence as an approach has produced little to no results. So in an article for the popular evangelical online magazine Christianity Today, Regnerus says instead the church should be emphasizing marriage. In other words, he looks at the problem of how evangelical Christians, church-going men and women who proclaim Christianity to be their faith, are engaging in premarital sexual relations uh, and, and, and perhaps even extramarital sexual relations uh, that, uh, that are on par with the rest of society. And so essentially what he's arguing is that um, 
All the talk about abstinence, stay pure, keep yourself until you get married and all that is just not working. Instead, he says, we should, we should be emphasizing marriage. There's a piece that he wrote um, called The Case for Early Marriage, uh, which caused a bit of a firestorm within Christian circles. Um, he advocated not just for marriage, but argued that early marriage was the only solution to the sexually promiscuous culture plaguing religious communities and not just general society. Now, in case you missed that point, the critical uh, point that he's making is that abstinence is ultimately unsustainable, that sexual desire is so strong that only an angel can successfully maintain a healthy distance from sex for a lengthy period of time. And, uh, you know, all of our younger um, listeners, I'm sure, can attest to that. It's, it's super difficult, if not outright impossible, to remain uh, uh, pure uh, at that age, right? So all the abstinence and accountability structures that religious clergy advocate, things like, uh, and, and again, you know, Christian listeners are probably more familiar with these, virginity pledges, chastity belts. Don't ask any questions. I don't want to get into it. It's a PG-13 podcast. Um, all of these are doomed to fail given the monumental internal and external pressures that constantly stimulate our libidos. So in the short run, sure, one can use a plethora of techniques to help curb desire or limit its expression. Um, you know, we talk about fasting, for example. Fasting certainly does curb desire, but only in the short term. And for that, we'll dedicate a special episode, uh, hopefully in the future. However, the over, uh, overall, this demon is bound to come out. It's only a matter of time, which is why we should preempt it with marriage as opposed to passively hope that somehow these desires and these temptations go away. Yeah, so I agree with you. Um, excuse the euphemism, or as Trump likes to say, euphemism. It's like a volcano, and I assure you no pun is intended. It's like a volcano that is about to erupt. There is literally nothing you can do to stop it. What you may be able to do is catch it early and prepare for it and channel it in, in the right direction and try to control the damage. So here's a great example from nature. A controlled burn that firefighters ignite to control a blaze during wildfire events. So in other words... In order to suppress unwanted sexual desires, we are encouraged to ignite desirable ones. Think about that for a moment and about its implications across the field. So some Buddhists, they castrate themselves as a means of emancipation from worldly desires. While Islam strongly encourages sexual satisfaction within the framework of marriage, of course, the unmatched emphasis on marriage is but one manifestation of Islam's encouragement of the satisfaction of sexual desire. The Prophet and his successors have stressed that young adults should get married as soon as they, they reach physical maturity, even going as far as making the financial facilitation of marriage a requirement of the state. This is why my cousin, who shall remain unnamed for obvious legal reasons, he got married at 12. His beautiful bride was only slightly larger than a Barbie doll, and he was her Ken. This is until, of course, facial hair covered his adorable chiseled chin. 
So after many years in a loving relationship, their marriage reached a new height when he became a father at age 13. Wow. So now, as family time, they sit around and watch Tom and Jerry together. <laughs> right. I'm sure they do. Um, anyway, back to sociologist Mark Regnerance. Um, in his work, he discusses the formative and stabilizing benefits of marriage. In other words, the sooner you get married, the more stability you're going to have in your life, the more impact that the, the, the spiritual as well as the physical benefits that marriage brings uh, will stay with you for the remainder, remainder of your life. Um, he suggests, for example, that it's preferable to enter lifelong bond early in the adult years and not later. Um, and then after discussing the devaluing of marriage in our culture, which is a greater problem and probably a pre precursor to the rising acceptance of uh, perhaps deformed uh, forms of, of sexual relations, he says. He points out that among both Christians and non-Christians, marriage age has been on the rise. In 1970, the average marriage age for women was 21 and 23 for men. Today, however, the average for women is 26, while men get married at around 28. And remember, those numbers are medians. In other words, for every man marrying at 22, there is one marrying for the first time at 34. Wow. Now, that's five additional long years of peak sexual interest and fertility, he says. The fertility point is often neglected. And that's another really important point. Think about this. You can't have kids whenever you want. And that is mostly true about women, but it also affects men. He says women's fertility is more or less fixed, yet Americans are increasingly ignoring it during their 20s only to beg and pray to reclaim it in their 30s and 40s. And this point kind of plays into the problem of, of why prayers are not answered. Sometimes the fact that God doesn't answer our prayers is because of our own deliberate actions. Right? There is a beautiful narration, in fact, uh, which you might remember, where the imam says that there are three kinds of people whose prayers God does not answer. One of them, the imam says, is a person who's standing under a wall that's about to collapse, and he prays to God to save him from the wall. In other words, God is saying, just get out of the way of danger. Don't put yourself and your life at risk and then pray for a miracle. Now, in a world where 90% of American adults experience sexual intercourse before marriage, what's interesting is that the percentage of evangelicals, these are Bible-bashing, church-going Christian men and women who also experience sexual intercourse before marriage, is not much lower believe it or not. In a nationally representative study of young adults, just under 80% of unmarried, church-going conservative Protestants have sex before marriage. Oh my 80%. God. And that's with all the biblical warnings against fornication, as well as promises that sex will be so much better if you wait until your wedding night. You know, who hasn't heard that? Mm -hmm. Actually, I, I, I haven't, haven't yeah. Me neither. Anyway, but apparently that's what they tell you in church. Or that if you could hold out, they say, it would be worth it. The sheer glory of consummation would knock our socks off, right? That's the kind of messages that the church 
um, and, and church pastors and, and priests and whatnot try to convey, and yet the end result is still only 20% of Protestants hold out. Wow. So the reality is our age is an age of moral decline and decadence because men get the idea that they can indeed find the, find the ideal woman if they're patient enough. Life expectancies nearing 80 years prompt many to dabble with relationships in their 20s rather than commit to a life of the same thing for such a long time, right? So men have few compelling reasons to mature quickly. Marriage seems an unnecessary risk to many of them, even Muslims. Sex seldom requires such a steep commitment, and as a result, many men postpone growing up. In other words... In order to satisfy sexual desire, there are so many ways they can do that. Why get married? Mm. Why involve yourself in a committed relationship that's going to have responsi- that's going to place responsibilities on legal your shoulders? Implications. Legal, otherwise, and so um, that's the reality. Marriage, however, is a key developmental institution for men, right? And it is the very thing that's being postponed. In other words, the one thing that can help you mature and become a man as opposed to just a man-child who wastes his life and squanders his time by being a couch potato playing PlayStation or, 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 or worse, watching other people play video games, right? Marriage can really propel you to that level of maturity and yet it's being postponed, thus perpetuating their adolescence. Well into their midlife. So I agree with you in general, but there are some, again, as I said, some valid uh, objections that the other side makes. So, for example, um, there's a message that is given by Western societies to young adults that they can't even consider marriage, you know, an institution noted for helping individuals, families, children and communities achieve stability and economic well-being. But they still see that you, that you can't even consider marriage until uh, they've already achieved a certain measure of stability and economic well-being. You'd have to have uh, established yourself and created an accomplished career before you even think about finding a partner. Well, what we're proposing is um, what, what, what can sometimes be described as, as a cornerstone rather than a capstone model of marriage, meaning get married early, then build your life up together. If you feel it's too early to have kids at that age, hint, it isn't, but if, if that's what you feel, then that's fine. Get married and use contraceptive methods to focus on your work or study for a few years, let's say until you finish college, then have kids. Because again, most young people think of marriage as this massive undertaking. I am not only getting married, but I also have, again, these are cultural influences. I have to have my own house. I have to have a car. I have to have a a stable job. I even have to have my first, you know, grandchild within 10 years. It's it's the culture that tells you marriage is, is this thing you do only once you've completely settled down. That's not the case. You can stage it out. You can phase it out is what I'm trying to say. That's true. And... What makes this even more compelling is that early marriage isn't an idealistic utopian dream. It's already happening. 
countercultural couples and radical young marrieds are all over the place. Uh, you know, just the other day I did this quick YouTube search, and there are so many you know YouTubers who are talking about how uh, uh, you know getting married early was the best decision they ever made, and. Um, they're all over the place, as I said, but the stigma around early marriage is too strong for them to come out of the shadows and talk about their experiences, for most people, that is. Even liberal, non-religious people are doing it. Search for articles on the subject online, and you'll see many testimonials that debunk the myths surrounding early marriage. Things like, you know, before they tie the knot, singles must play the field, backpack through Europe, wait tables to supplement an unpaid internship, or buy a condo. None of those things, as appealing as popular movies make them out to be, backpacking through Europe, by the way, is especially overrated, none are a prerequisite to early marriage. Even more compelling are the psychological, emotional arguments for a couple to grow up together and face the young adult vicissitudes of life together, forging their personalities through thick and thin, growing closer by the pains and joys of life early on, in, in the same way that a strong friendship is one that spans a longer period of time. Eli um, Krupnik, I think is how you pronounce her last name, uh, wrote a piece on... Uh, a blog piece called The Seven Unexpected Reasons to Marry Young. And in that piece, she vouches for the peace of mind that a marital uh, support system offers. She calls the single list of solitary travel and accomplishments completely overrated and says they pale in comparison with what a couple can achieve together. Travel in particular is an incredibly satisfying experience that people can enjoy as married couples rather than random hookups. Sure, they're still young and figuring things out, but why not sort those through those financial issues, educational goals, maturity challenges together? First years of marriage are hard regardless of when marriage takes place, and that's a, another very key point, right? People say, well, it's difficult. It's difficult no matter when you do it. So you might as well do it Early on. Okay, so, uh, I mean, in general, I, I agree with you. But there is a point um, that doesn't really hurt your argument. So it's true either way. And that is the need for premarital counseling. So young married sure. couples, um, I, I think just like older married couples, they need older mentors investing in their lives. Wise young people could embrace a mentoring relationship. Every couple should spend at least as much on marriage enrichment, um, counseling, marriage retreats, books, etc., etc., as they do on the wedding. The wedding is just one day, but marriage, like your student loan, is forever. Invest in it. Also, after marriage, schedule a meeting with a counselor once a year and talk about any issues you might have. If you deal with areas of concern at least once a year, they won't fester for 20. Young men don't mature into strong Muslim men all by themselves. They need to have role models. They need to be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. They need mature Muslim men to lead the way. If you want the young men, our daughters married to be strong men of God, then we need to be walking alongside them in their spiritual growth. Islamic scriptures deal with all kinds of issues, but they all boil down to how you can get closer or farther from God. 
Some people need to become quadriplegic or lose a, a close loved one in order to be closer with God, while others can do so voluntarily by doing what they know to be right. So maybe instead of chastising young people for thinking about sex before marriage, those young people should be encouraged to embrace it and put their faith in God and get married sooner than later. That's absolutely true, and I think um, encouragement through words uh, is very important, no doubt. I, I've met a lot of parents, a lot of elders who uh, actively discourage young people from getting married, which is a disaster. Um, but as important as verbal encouragement is, I think communities need to, especially let's start with families and then the larger community, needs to appreciate the fact that they need to provide physical, tangible, financial encouragement to younger couples to get married early on. Uh, in other words, we're talking about interest-free loans. We're talking about maybe even money that's, that's uh, uh, given out as a, as a bonus, as a gift, or whatever you want to call it, to people who get married before they reach 20, for example. Or right? rent-free living in the loft upstairs. Rent-free living in the loft upstairs should be absolutely mandated by law. Um, but other than that, you know, seriously, we're talking about maybe giving them $5,000 just to get things started, just to buy the basic necessities, for example. Um, and, and I know a lot of families who do that. It's, it's so beautiful to see um, supportive parents who not only give their kids the option of getting married as soon as they want, uh, but also uh, take the next logical step, which is to, to, to use their assets and to use their wealth that they've accrued over a lengthy period of time to uh, give their kids a head start, if you like, right? As opposed to have them rely completely on themselves and make a living um, out of thin air, right? So that's, that's beautiful. I think that's Thank something God we should... Thank God for good people like them. Absolutely. And uh, hopefully we'll see more and more people like that. We'll see more and more young people uh, seriously considering the prospects of marriage as soon as legally possible, inshallah. Inshallah. Thank you so much, Sayyid. It was great having you. Thank you. My pleasure. And to our audience, we'll see you next time.